You guys are actually right on cue. You figured out we're going to switch things up a little bit this morning. Actually going to do in the bag in the middle of the message today, so you guys be paying attention. And at some point, I'm going to actually have you come up here, and you're going to help me with the sermon today. So you got to be ready for that. How's that? <laughs> so I want to begin this morning by um, just asking some questions. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but there's some questions that I just want you to think about a little bit. And the first question I want to ask is this, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, the answer to that question in your mind is probably going to be due, influenced a lot by kind of your background, your church background, maybe your upbringing, maybe some of the things you've been taught over the years. As we, as we talked about earlier, some people would say, well, in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I have to go through this second experience after, after I become a believer in Jesus Christ. I have to go through the baptism of the Holy Spirit or a second act of grace or a second blessing. And, that, and so you might answer the question based on that. Have I, have I ever done that? Some of you might think, well, it's some really like emotional high experience that I have with God at some point in my life and and that's the filling of the Holy Spirit and and so that might influence your your decision or your answer to that question some of you might be thinking well I have no idea what the filling of the Holy Spirit's all about right and so I don't really know and so that might bring up a whole other set of questions what is the filling of the Holy Spirit how do I get it what does it look like when it operates in my life and, and is there something that I have to do? Is it something that God does? All these kind of questions that, that might come up when we talk about this idea of the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's probably a phrase that many of us are familiar with, but, but frankly, we don't really understand what it means sometimes. So my goal this morning is to, to kind of help all of us to answer some of those questions about the filling of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at some scriptures this morning that I think will help us to, to have some actually really good answers to a lot of those questions, to really get us, have us get a handle on what it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit, and, and most importantly, to see how our lives can be changed because of that. Now, this is the, the last week in our current sermon series. We've spent four weeks now talking about the Holy Spirit, and, and obviously we've only just scratched the surface. We could really spend all year probably doing a, a sermon series on the Holy Spirit, but I think hopefully over these four weeks you've learned enough about how the Holy Spirit operates in our lives that it can make a difference in the way that you live your life, and, and that's really been our goal, not just to give you more information, but to help you make application in your life. So before I begin this morning, I think it's really important for us to do a really quick review of some of the things that we've learned over the first three weeks, because all of these things are going to really provide us with an important background this morning as we kind of jump into this idea of what it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Now the first thing that we learned was this, that, that every single believer receives the Holy Spirit at the time that that person places his or her faith in Jesus Christ. And at that point, you get all the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get. You get all the Holy Spirit at that point. Not only that, not only do you get the Holy Spirit at that point, but the second important thing that we learned is that from that point forward, the Holy Spirit dwells permanently in that person's life. Now, it may be that we don't always yield to that 
to his guidance in our life, but he's always there. We can't get do anything to get rid of him because we didn't do anything to get him in the first place. But So he dwells there permanently. Then we talked about the fact that the power of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is that he wants in a way, to work in a way in our lives that's going to be consistent with God's character and with God's word and it's going to actually glorify Jesus he's always going to point us to Jesus that's his purpose so if if somebody claims that they're being filled with the Holy Spirit or led by the Holy Spirit and it's bringing all the attention on them then it's probably not the Holy Spirit because he's going to always focus his attention on Jesus and then finally last week Uh, Ryan talked about spiritual gifts, and we talked about the fact that every single believer has at least one spiritual gift, probably more, and they probably change, but that the purpose of those gifts, again, is not for ourselves. It's to build up the body of Christ, and it's to bring glory to Jesus. And this morning, as we look at this idea of the filling of the Holy Spirit, we're going to see it's 100% consistent with everything that we've learned so far. That shouldn't be surprising. That it's all about not bringing attention to ourselves, but the filling of the Holy Spirit is about bringing attention to Jesus, about giving glory to Him, about building up the body of Christ. And so, so this morning we're going to talk about this idea of what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, I'm going to kind of approach this a little bit differently this morning. I'm going to start out at the very beginning by giving you the main idea that we're going to develop. And then we'll take a look at some scriptures that are going to help us to, to kind of hang some meat on that. So here's the main idea that we want to talk about this morning. That being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't about me getting more of the Spirit. It's about the Spirit getting more of me. And that should be true. We should understand that, right? Based on what we talked about so far, I, I never can get more of the Holy Spirit. I get all the Holy Spirit that I'm going to get when I become a follower of Jesus Christ, when I become one of His disciples. So the question is not about me getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's about the Holy Spirit getting a hold of more of my life so that He can take control, as we're going to see today, and that He can guide us and lead us to do things that will, again, build up the body and glorify Jesus Christ. Now, I learned something really interesting this, more, or this week as I was studying about, about what this filling of the Holy Spirit means. Actually, if you go back to the New Testament and you look at uh, the time from Acts chapter 2 where the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit onward there in the book of Acts and then into Paul's writings, you find that there are actually two different kinds of filling of the Holy Spirit that take place there. And we're going to focus on one of those this morning, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. I'm going to put in a plug for our Bible roundtable, because if you want to hang out for that afterwards, we're going to talk some more about this and and these two kinds of filling. But the first kind of filling is one that we see uh, in the book of Acts, I think five different times. It's Every time you see it, it's the Greek word pimplimi is used there. And this kind of filling that happens there is usually it's kind of a a sudden, it's kind of a one-time thing where the Holy Spirit comes on one of the disciples of Jesus for a period of time, usually to help them proclaim the gospel boldly. And you see there, I've given you some, some scripture references if you want to write those down and look at them later. That, it's kind of a one-time event. It, to me, it's kind of more like um, the way the Holy Spirit kind of worked in the Old Testament where He would come on someone for a period of time to enable them to do a task. And I need to do some more study on this to kind of to cement it in my own mind, but I think that maybe there's a connection here 
between that kind of a filling of the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts that, that are put upon us by the Holy Spirit. Because again, remember the purpose of those gifts is to enable us to build up the body and to glorify Jesus. And I think we get that kind of filling from time to time. Maybe some of you experience that. You have an opportunity to share the gospel with someone else. And all of a sudden, words come out of your mouth that you never expected would come out of your mouth. And I think it's that kind of a filling of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not the one we're going to focus on today, but even though it's important because the other one is the one that I think is really relevant to all of us. You, you can't really control this one. The Bible never tells us, ask for this. It never commands us to have it. But the second kind of filling, the one we're going to look at this morning, it's indicated by the gr- Greek word pleuroo. And that's a, it's more of a process of maturing in our faith. Again, we find it in the book of Acts, and we also find it in the passage we're going to look at this morning in Ephesians chapter 5, where we're going to see kind of a a larger explanation. And as we're going to see, the Bible does command every single believer in Jesus to have this kind of the filling of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, we'll see in a moment, Paul's going to say, if you don't have this kind of filling, you're actually outside the will of God. And so this is the kind of filling that we're going to focus on this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at a passage there beginning in verse 15 this morning. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. If you don't have your Bibles with you, that's okay. You can follow along on the screen. You can use your devices if that's an easier way to do it. That's always great. But here's what Paul writes. He writes this letter to the church in Ephesus. And then in chapter 5, beginning in verse 15, he writes, Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. And therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You want to know what the will of the Lord is? A lot of us want to know that. Well, he's going to explain it in verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So in this section here, Paul is he's writing about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the middle of that, in, in verse 18, that's the one we want to really look at today. Here's what he writes. He says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled, that's that verb play roo, with the Spirit. And I want to look for just a moment at that, that phrase, that verb be filled, because I think it's going to really give us some, some insight into what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's three things in particular I want us to see about that. Number one In the Greek, it's what's known as the imperative sense. And the imperative sense just means it's a command. And that has two important implications for us. First of all, this isn't optional. This isn't something I get to choose. It's not something that I say, well, you know, I don't really feel like getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's for some some super spiritual Christian, but it's not for me. This is for all believers. He's writing to this to every believer there in the church in Ephesus, and he's giving them a command to be filled. So so it applies to all of us. It's not an option. The second thing that it, it implies here is that we have a part in the process. He's not going to tell us to be filled and give us a command to do that unless we have a part to play in the process. Second thing we see here is it's in the present tense. If you've been here for any time at all, 
here at Thornydale Family Church, you know pre- Greek present tense verbs always mean continuous action. So we could translate this something like, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not something that we just do once, like some people believe. It's not some supernatural event. It's a, it's a process that takes place as we mature in our faith and we grow in our walk with Jesus Christ. And then the third thing we see here is that this is what's known as a passive mood. Notice he doesn't say here, fill yourself with the Spirit, right? He says, be filled. It's passive. Someone else is doing the filling. But as we saw before, even though God is doing the filling, obviously here it's His work, we have a a part to play in that process. It doesn't happen apart. We have to cooperate with that. And so, so we see here that this is a command that's given to every one of us. So this is not optional. So then the question becomes, what does that look like? What does it mean to be, quote, filled with the Holy Spirit like we're commanded to do here? And and in order to understand that, we really need to understand the various aspects of that verb pleroo that I I mentioned to you a moment ago. It really had three important aspects to it. In some some uses, it would indicate the idea of a, a wind blowing into a sail. And what would happen is the wind would fill that sail, that's the word fill, and it would push that boat along because it would catch the sails and push it along. So part of the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit is He fills our life in an effort to push us along in the right direction where God wants us to go. The second part of that is it was also used to describe permeation. For instance, when you put salt on meat, it permeates the meat and it does a couple of things. It flavors it and it preserves it. And so when it talks about being filled by the Holy Spirit, part of that idea is that the Holy Spirit ought to permeate my life. Every single area of my life ought to be impacted by the Holy Spirit. The third aspect, and I think the one that's the most important here, is the idea of being completely controlled by the Holy Spirit. That word was used a lot in the New Testament. You can go back and it'll say, for instance, like so-and-so was filled with fear. And when it was used in that way, it meant that they were controlled by their fear, or they were filled with sorrow. They were controlled by, by their sorrow. And so we certainly get that idea here of the Holy Spirit being in control of our life. So if we put all that together, here's, here's how I would define being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's being under the total control of the Holy Spirit, where He comes into our life, and He takes total control. He guides us. We yield to that. And, and we follow His direction. That's what it means to be filled by, with the Holy Spirit. Or as we said earlier, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not so much about me getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's about the Holy Spirit getting more of me. That's what it's all about. It's about dying to ourselves so that, so that the Holy Spirit can take control of my life. It's about giving up control of my life and allowing Him to take control. And and we shouldn't be surprised at that, right? Jesus talked about this. In Luke chapter 9, most of you are probably familiar with this passage. But Jesus said this. He says, if anyone, anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And we know that the cross was was an instrument of death. What Jesus is saying is if you want to follow me, you have to die to yourself on a daily basis. You have to let me have control. And that's what the filling of the Holy Spirit does. It allows him to come into our lives and to take control of our lives. 
So what does that look like in real life? I mean, that's great, Pat. That's a, that's a nice definition. That's great in theory. But, but how do I actually do that in my life? That's what I want to talk about right now. How do I let the Holy Spirit fill me? And now is when I need all the kids up here because you guys are going to help me with this next part. If you guys want to come on up. So I brought with me. I have two. You can go ahead and sit down there if you want. So I brought with me two jars of water here. And I got a blue jar and this blue jar, this represents my life, what my life was like before the Holy Spirit comes in. And this red jar, this represents the Holy Spirit. And so here's the question. How do I get the Holy Spirit into this jar that represents my life? And there's really three things that I have to do. So what do you think is the first thing I have to do? Josh, what do you think? I have to pour this out? Okay, let me do that. What else do I have to do? What do I have to do, Tyler? Yeah, I have to open it, right? That's the first thing I have to do. I have to open it up. And that's what the Bible talks about. If I want to give control of the Holy Spirit in my life, the first thing I have to do is to be open to it. And not everyone is always open to it. Some people are closed off. They say, you know, I just want to live my life my way. So they never take the lid off. And they just keep on living their life their own way. And so the first thing I have to do, if I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I have to be willing to open it up and let God do His work in my life. I have to say, God, I'm finally willing to follow after you and do that. In his book, The Forgotten God, Francis Chan actually wrote this about that idea. He said, so if you say you want the Holy Spirit... You must first honestly ask yourself if you want to do His will. Because if you do not genuinely want to do His will, why should you ask for His presence at all? But if you decide you want to know His will, there will be moments when you have to let go of the fear of of what that, that might mean. When you have to release your grip of control in your life and decide to be led, come what may that's what it's about opening it's about saying to the holy spirit you know what i'm going to open my life up i'm going to allow you to take control so now that we've opened it up what's the next thing that i have to do mia yeah i gotta get i gotta get rid of all this stuff that's in my life right so i'm going to pour it in here and now i have an empty jar And Paul right here, when he's writing in the book of Ephesians, I know you guys all remember back in 2008, I preached a series of sermons on the book of Ephesians. So I know you guys all remember this, but the book of Ephesians has two parts to it. The first three chapters are doctrine. The last three chapters, Paul's writing about how does that doctrine apply to our life? What does it look like when we live it out? And what he's writing here, the passage we read today, is right in the middle of this section where Paul's writing about that. And right before that, if you go back to the chapter right before it, he's talking about one of the things that we have to do is we have to get rid of all the things that were in our life, the way of life that we lived before. Here's what he writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. He says we have to get rid of that. And I don't think Paul's writing there so much about the idea that you got to do all that stuff on your own because it's kind of ironic. We can't get rid of all the old stuff on our own. We're incapable. We need the Holy Spirit's help to do that. 
But what he's saying is you have to have a heart that wants to do that. You have to have a heart that wants to, to see your sin like God sees your sin. We, we call that repentance. And that's just a big fancy theological word that means we change our mind. It means we change our mind about how we see our sin. See, before when we were filled up with all this stuff and we were closed off, we just said, hey, I'm okay with my sin. But what we have to do is we have to open it up. We have to say, God, I'm willing for you to pour all this stuff out so that I can be emptied, so I can be ready for you to pour in your Holy Spirit. And so we've seen that we have to, we have to open up our lives. We have to empty out the old. And then what do we finally have to do? What do you think? Elizabeth? That's right. We've got to put it into our lives. See if I can do this without making too big of a mess. Ah, so now my life is filled with the Holy Spirit. But how exactly do I do that? That's kind of an interesting question. How, how do I allow the Holy Spirit to fill me up? And there's probably a lot of different answers, but here's the one I want to focus on this morning. About the time Paul wrote his letter to the church at Ephesus, the one we've been talking about this morning, he wrote another letter to a church in Colossae. And those two letters have a lot of parallels to them. As a matter of fact, when you get to Colossians chapter 3, you'll see that Paul wrote about some of the same things he wrote about here in Ephesians. He wrote about speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He wrote about having thanks to God. And then he follows that up with some instructions to husbands and wives and parents and children and slaves. The same thing that we see in the book of Ephesians. So that same place in Colossians where he wrote about being filled with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians, he wrote this. He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And I think that's a parallel. That's what he means to be filled with the Holy Spirit is what you do is you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And to demonstrate that, I brought one more thing with me. You may have noticed. I brought with me a sponge. And I think this sponge demonstrates what it's like to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, I can use this sponge, I could just kind of dip it in the water and I can get a little bit and it gets a little wet there. But what do I have to do if I want to have this sponge completely filled with water? What do you think, Jonathan? Yeah, I've got to put it in. And if I want it to be filled with the Word of God, what I have to do is fully submerge it, in a sense, into the Word of God. And that means more than just reading a, a verse of the day. That's okay to do. There's nothing wrong with that. It means more than just reading my Bible once in a while. It means that I'm reading it all the time. I'm memorizing it. I'm studying it. And most of all, it means that I'm applying it to my life. So thanks, guys, for your help this morning with the, uh, the message. You can go ahead and head back to your seats now. Appreciate your help. That was very helpful. So what we've seen this morning is that being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's it's, it's not about me getting more of the Holy Spirit into me. It's about getting the Spirit, giving the Spirit more of me. About letting Him fill my life. About, about, filling it, about letting Him fill it up. And that we do that primarily by, by just taking in the Word of God into our life. That's one of the best things that we can do to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We talked about that several weeks ago. That's one of the main ways that the Holy Spirit guides us and leads us to Jesus and helps us to build up the body. All the things that He empowers us to do, He does through His Word. 
And so we've seen that this morning. And we've seen that when that happens, that that, that makes a tremendous impact in the way that we live our lives. Back in the very first week of this, uh, of this sermon series, I shared with you a quote from Francis Chan, again from his book, Forgotten God. And I want to kind of close with that and ask you to think about that again. Here's what he writes. He says, if it's true that the Spirit of God dwells in us and that our bodies are the Holy Spirit's temple, then shouldn't there be a huge difference between the person who has the Spirit of God living inside of him or her and the person who does not? So let me ask you a question this morning. Is your life different today because you've been filled with the Holy Spirit? Does your life look different than than the lives around you, or does it just look like everyone else? And if you can honestly answer that question and say, yes, my life looks different because the Holy Spirit is filling me and I'm allowing Him to fill me on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis, then you ought to thank God for that. Because that's His work in you. Now, you've allowed that, you've permitted that, but it's still His work, and you ought to give great thanks to God for that. But if not, then I think you honestly need to ask, then what am I going to do about that? What changes am I going to make in my life so that the Holy Spirit can fill me like that so that when other people look at my life, they do see someone that looks different than the world around them? We've talked a lot in the last four weeks about some things that we could do to do that in our lives. And while we haven't obviously covered everything there is to know about the Holy Spirit, I think we've covered enough that that all of you have some practical things that you can do. So in your sermon outline, I've given you a list of some possible ways that you might want to respond based on what we've learned these last four weeks. Now, it's not a comprehensive list, but it maybe will get you thinking about, here's some of the things that I might be able to do in my life in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, about letting Him change my life so that I would point people to Jesus and so that I would build up the body of Christ. So what we're going to do here for the next few moments is um, we're going to have a time for you just to reflect on that. At, when that time's done, we're going to actually close our time this morning with a song called Make Room. It's one we've done fairly recently, but it's perfect, I think, closing to this, uh, to this whole sermon series because it's a song that says, God, I want to make room for you. I want to empty out the things of the world so I have room for the Holy Spirit to work in my life. So would you go ahead and join me right now? Just go ahead and uh, bow your head and close your eyes. And as the, as the music plays softly, would you just take some time to reflect upon what God wants you to do in response to what we've learned these last four weeks?
Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that at the very moment that we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that he comes to dwell permanently in our lives. And that we get all the Holy Spirit we're ever going to get at that point. And yet, Father, we know that we have to cooperate with him in order for him to work in our lives. We have to open up our lives. That We have to be able to empty out some of the garbage that's in there. Get out of his way so that he can work in our lives. And I pray right now that you would speak to each heart. I pray that each heart would be open to your spirit as he guides. Pray that we would listen. Most of all, I pray that we would be obedient to his guidance in our lives as we think about how we can apply the things that we've learned. So, Father, would you just do your work in a way that would build up our body, that would bring glory to Jesus? Father, we ask that in his name. Amen. If there's any